Welcome to Hauntedology. I'm your host, Megan, and it's my belief that these cities all have a story to tell, and it's our job to listen. So let's dive into this next episode and see what this amazing city has to tell us now. This episode is going to take you through the time period of Savannah when it was barely colonized, like 11 months after it was even founded, and they had to start dueling out some Georgia justice, and the first person that met judicial punishment in Savannah was a woman, and she is known as the woman Savannah Hanged. This episode is to tell you her life, her story here, what happened, and why people say she's still around today. And Savannah's mini square is one of the most beautiful as Wright Square. And it's actually one of three that James Oglethorpe and his Savannah settlers established in the first years of the colony. It was originally known as Percival Square, and it had plots of land for sellers to cultivate on, but it also functioned as the judicial center of the town's activities. So, on the opposite end of all the selling was the courthouse and the jail, and this would actually become known as the Hanging Square. And actually be a very ominous part of Savannah's history. And the Hanging Square would become a place where settlers would limit their feet on the gallows in the 18th century. It's said that once you know the past history of the square, you can't walk around it at night or on a bright sunny day without feeling and perhaps finally hearing the cries and sounds of those who met their death dangling from the end of the hangman's noose. This story is actually kind of interesting and different because it doesn't talk about the murder victim. It talks about one of the accused. And to me, it's actually particularly haunting because it's full of inquiry, mystery, for me, personal empathy, which will make more sense later on. And along with all that tragedy, as well as sex and love and lies, because no good story ever began with anything else, right? And this all takes place, this time period that haunts the square to this day, is 1734. But to make sense of it all, we have to go back to 1733, when a woman named Alice Riley decided to embark on the dangerous voyage to America. Her ship was actually destined to go to Philadelphia, but a winter storm that ended up decimating the passengers also pushed the ship towards savannah and by the time they got there there were 34 men still alive and only six women still alive and the boat finally ended up pulling into the cold savannah harbor on january 10th of 1734 only 11 months after the founding of the colony and probably the only month or two where savannah might be considered cold (laughs) true So, Alice was coming to the New World as an Irish indentured servant. Do you know what that means? No. 
don't remember, but I used to know. So it's like somebody that comes. They're not like an actual slave. You pay my passage and and I work my payment off. Basically. Okay. Like, I work for you for four years or so to pay off my ride to the new world. Yeah. So... This, of course, would mean that she would earn her freedom after serving her time as a servant. Savannah, though, was against her kind because she was Irish, which they automatically thought meant that she had ties to Roman Catholicism, which is what they were trying to escape from in England. You know, the church and religious persecution, they came here and they didn't want her around because they're like, you know, these people are Irish. They're... They've, they've got to have ties to the Spanish down in Florida. They, and, you know, the Spanish were still Catholic and all of this. And they just felt it as a threat. They viewed her type of people as a threat. Savannah did. Savannah did. Okay. I got confused. And on top of that, for Savannah, at this time, the charters and founders discouraged the presence of servants. And on top of that, especially Irish servants. That was like the double whammy. Kind of funny considering how the old South turned out. Yeah. But at this point, servants were a no-no. Oglethorpe, however, ignored this and took sympathy on them. Plus, he needed them for their labor. You know, win-win in his eyes. They were purchased for for five pounds a head and given to various widows like to help with their work. And he sent four... um, the men, I believe, to the cattle farm on Hutchinson Island. But um, Alice was actually sent to a man named Richard Cannon's house. And this kind, this part of it is kind of fuzzy because it's really hard to like 100% fact check this because nobody really kept good records of these people. They didn't care. At this point, they were just Irish indentured servants. They weren't the first murderers in Savannah. So nobody really cared to keep tabs on them. But although we know Alice wasn't sent to the farm, she and a few others were initially sent to the home of Richard Cannon, like I said before. Richard Cannon actually came over on the first boat with his wife and two children. But they soon died after embarking for Georgia, leaving only him and one of his sons. It's believed that Alice ended up leaving the Cannon home after being sent there to help care for the boy. But she didn't last long because... Actually, that reason is kind of fuzzy, too. We aren't sure if she just wasn't that needed because most of Richard Cannon's family had died or if... She was hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, that part's really kind of a mystery. But either way, Alice ended up being sent to the cattle farm on Hutchinson Island where fellow servant Richard White was at. Now, about these two. Every story depicts them as lovers. I don't personally know how I feel about that. Being involved in like the same tragic events that would seal her fate didn't necessarily mean she loved the dude. I mean, you know? Okay. Hear me out. So, what I'm saying here is they're both Irish and indentured servants who arrived on the same ship with them. 
they likely knew each other before landing together on Hutchinson Island. So I highly doubt it was like love at first sight there. I mean, with most of the passengers dead on this ship and only a few surviving, you gotta remember one or two people that that was living and breathing. Make it, make it easier. Yeah, it would make it easier. But, regardless of how they met, they both ended up working after the cattle farm and for the same household for a man named Master William Wise. And all we know about William Wise, and none of it's very good, but what we know about him is that he's depicted to be somewhat of a shifty man. He was very deceptive and swindling by nature. He was also said to be manipulative, corrupt, and very vain. So I can't imagine any scenario in which two Irish indentured servants would have lived a decent life under his rule. And so, therefore, it's kind of assumed that their collective traumas ended up pushing them over the edge to perform an act that they would both regret. Mm. Now we're up to the murder. Everything before, like I said, we don't have much to go on in their life before the murder. So, that's basically what we know. The murder took place Monday, March 1st of 1734. And, you know, the day probably would have begun like any other with Alice and Richard receiving their marching orders laid down by Wise himself. And get this, Alice had the humiliating job of bathing this old dude. Yeah. So I'm assuming the person that was murdered was Wise. (laughs) (laughs) But not only that... Richard had to comb his long, greasy hair. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't wash him too good. <laughs> At least not his hair. <laughs> I had to make sure that was clean. <laughs> but anyways. Other parts would have been highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the nasty person, the nasty hair, the long trip over to Savannah, or the demanding, vile, humiliating master that they had to serve. Maybe a combination of it all, but the pair had finally snapped. Yeah, I can see that. You know, yeah, I can't really blame them so far from everything I'm hearing. <laughs> so far, I'm on their side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, okay. So, it's said that Richard carried out the execution by strangling Wise with all of his might and plunging his face into a pail of water to finish him off. That was probably to wash his greasy hair. <laughs> Now it's to finish him off. But then some air bubbles rose at the top. So Alice, this is when Alice decides to help. So after the air bubbles rise at the top, oh, Alice just pushes his face in deeper. Mm-hmm. They really didn't like this dude. If she can do something, do it right. I guess so. <laughs> she wasn't leaving any stone unturned. <laughs> but, you know, Wise's body eventually went limp and the vile monster they saw as their master was dead. But I don't really think these two planned very far ahead into it. Because, like, now they're on the lamb. Surely they're going to get caught because, like, they're running from their lives to escape the penalty for their crimes, which is death. They committed the first murder in the colony just over a year after the city was settled. And they knew authorities would be hot on their trail. But... Nothing else to do. Yeah. And, I mean, but to make things worse... Tweedledee and Tweedledum, 
not only murdered him, but it said they also robbed him of what valuables they could carry along with them. That's going to tie you right back to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but you know, back in those days, people didn't really think ahead like we do now. They don't know what other people did wrong. Well, yeah, maybe so, maybe that's how we learned. Yeah, maybe that's how we learned. You know, learn through history. But um, so maybe this, that was problems. Like, dang, maybe they should have took all this stuff. Does they found a man? But and plus, like, you're weighed down when you're like running with crap. <laughs> like, think about it. You're, like, jingle jangling, running through town. Like, don't mind me. We're just going to get milk for the old guy, and you're like. Oh, sorry, hold on, diamond just fell out. You know, like, that doesn't sound very smart. If people in those days weren't brilliant. Thank God we improved a little. I mean, not thank God, because it's kind of a bad thing, but at least we got smarter with time for good reasons, too. Yeah. So, they were quickly captured and brought into town to face consequences for their actions. On May 11th, 1730, they were taken to trial and found guilty by a jury of 12 and sentenced to hang. Oddly enough, though, Alice's former master, however brief, Richard Cannon, was on the 12-man jury that sentenced her to hang. Okay. The one that she just kind of exnated from his house. We don't really know why. Mm -hmm. He was on the jury that sentenced her to hang. But Oh, Alice wasn't going down so easy. She told them that she was pregnant. (laughs) Never mentioning who the father was. But the chief magistrate, Thomas Colston, delayed her execution until the baby was born. Ooh, she went in trouble. She was lying. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And it said that this was done out of respect for the innocence of the expected child. Alice and Richard were then housed in different jails for the time being, and however, being convicted of murder, Alice didn't receive any special attention due to her pregnancy. Like Richard, she spent her time in an uncomfortable, primitive building with dirt floors, little or no lining of insulation, no heat, meager provisions, like the works. And she gave birth to a boy on December 21st, 1734, to which she named James. And people think that she did this perhaps after James Oglethorpe to try to reap some sort of sympathy. (laughs) But much to her dismay, Oglethorpe was not in Savannah when she had her son. He had left for England with an Indian delegation. And the ones that were dueling out George's justice was led by the chief magistrate who had already sentenced her to hang. Hey, really kind of sucks. Like, what we're doing with the baby? You know, and we made sure the baby was born. We didn't kill her. We didn't execute her during before while she was pregnant or whatever. But what are we gonna do with the baby? We didn't have orphanages back then. Um, he's not really all that talked about. Not a lot of people think a lot ahead in this thing. Well, it's a, it's a story about murder. <laughs> And we know who the murderers are, so obviously they didn't think very far ahead. (laughs) So, on January 19th, 1734, only three weeks after James was born, they came for her. No. I know. See, see, this is the part where I said that I have personal empathy. Like, 
my heart goes out to her. Like I, if it hurts to talk about it, but it was officially time. She was no longer pregnant. The gallows had finally been finished and she's recorded saying as she's leaving the jailhouse, not recorded, but it's like written recorded that she didn't do it. It wasn't her. And Richard forced her to do it. Please let her go. It wasn't her. It wasn't her. Or it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And they actually gave her a ride to the gallows because she was really weak from giving birth and her ordeal in jail. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually gave her a ride to the gallows and a large assembly of townspeople came out to watch because it was the first public hanging. Like, hey, I want to go. What are you doing this Saturday? Let's go watch Alice be hung. Yeah, but now you got this kid here that has no parents, nobody to raise them, no aunts, no uncles, and obviously no way to get milk. How are you going to feed this kid? We didn't think about taking care of this kid. We just thought about getting it born. Welcome to Colonial America. It's a three-week-old. Well, I'm assuming they couldn't go to their local Kroger and buy formula. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But anyways... Like, the whole time of the gallows, she just, like, begged and pleaded that it wasn't her. She didn't she didn't want to do it. He made her do it. She was scared of him. That whole kind of thing. Did. No. Um, well, they held him till the baby was born, too? Yeah, and I don't know why. Hmm. Anyways, I think, we, I think we'll touch on that a little bit more later, because his time comes. Interesting. He's going to get his. You wait. So... Perhaps the most heart-wrenching of it all as a mother, I can't even, like, imagine. But it said that Alice just desperately began scanning the crowd for her son. Mm. And she kept saying, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Mm. Like, just looking for him. And he wasn't there. Some they, they had taken him away. And the time was upon her. Like, it said... I don't know how people know this, but it said that, like, dark clouds rolled in and, like, shielded the sun from view. And it was just, like, a very ominous type feeling amongst the crowd. And it, at this point, the crowd began, someone in the crowd began to jeer the executioner, saying, hang her, hang her now. She's a murderer. She's an Irish wrench. And apparently, at this point, all humanity just left Alice. And innocent or not, she was faced with death, literally walking to her death, knowing she only had moments to spare before her life was over. As a mother, she was surely thinking about the child she was leaving behind and what his life would become. Mm-hmm. I mean, so would would the town show his mer- show him mercy, mm-hmm. or would the town punish him for the sins of his mother? You know, I mean, God may not condemn a child because of the sins of his mother, but man's justice sure could. Yeah. So I'm sure all this is going through her mind, and I can only imagine, but. At this time, the last emotion came up, and it was just like a rage of emotions. And she yelled indiscriminately into like the void, "Te trasna or fin," which is a curse that roughly translates as "Go across your cell." I don't understand the curse, but it's a curse nonetheless. And her last words were a "curse." Go across your cell, like a cell you're in I prison. Don't know speak the language you translated it a book translated it hmm. had to research this stuff <laughs> that's the last thing she said before they executed her yeah but it said like they gave the horse a slap on the rear to move him away from the gallows and he like didn't move 
So, like, they did it again, and, like, people had to, like, come, like, kind of push the horse. Like, he wasn't moving. And, like, as she's up there, the pastor is reading Psalm 23. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, like, girlfriend was literally walking to her death. And she just kind of went limp from the weight and the exhaustion and the numbness. And it just all kind of consumed her. And finally, with the horse moving, it just kind of walked slowly away and the body was dragged off the cart. But in this, uh, it's said that, like, when someone dies in this way, their arms and legs, like, can shake violently for a while. And, like, when a person has family members, like, if they try to breathe normally, they can shake. And, like, the family members will kind of, like, would hold down the arms and the legs kind of like to help them die faster like not to like to help them not suffer but alice literally had no one in the world that gave a crap yeah so she was literally all alone in life and death at this point and the new world for her no one would have helped her no one would have cared Mm-hmm. But within a few seconds, she was gone, and she just kind of hung motionless like an abandoned ma- marionette doll on the end of the rope of colonial Georgia justice. Wow. Yeah. But what happened to Richard? Richard was supposed to be hanged the next day, but somehow managed to escape. And legend has it he was trying to make his way out of the colony by traveling south. And this is like the day after Alice's execution when a group of 20 men that are like clearing trees see him and end up bringing him to justice. The men clearing trees would end up chasing him through a swamp until he fell down against the log where they surrounded him with weapons and are reported to then began like roughing him up a bit and he started to beg for his life and they began questioning him all while trying to make their way back to town and they began asking him where he was headed and he told him he was looking for a house outside of town to get provisions but could not find it he also said he was looking for the woman and said he left her nearby all the while still he was begging for his life in between telling them all this but who would give him provisions? Certainly you know who he is. Yeah, you think. What house would he be going to outside of town? And what What's woman? What would he be in? He's got to be down near the Okie Finoki for that. Well, back in those days, Savannah was a lot less streets and a lot more swamps. So, yeah, you know, swamp, marsh, me. Okay. So I'm going to guess that by traveling south he must have hit some of the marshlands okay makes sense but um as soon as they reach the town they make it back and richard's immediately taken to the gallows and he then meets his death in the same manner as his female accomplice protesting his innocence to the bitter end so which one of them was actually innocent When Oglethorpe returned to Savannah, he and the trustees were informed that Alice and Richard died a Roman, meaning in the minds of those who carried out the justice they had raided themselves and two murderous Roman Catholic potential spies, not to mention killers, were taken down. This is what they told Oglethorpe upon his arrival. 
So they made it out to be that they were these like potential Catholic spies and they were murderers and don't worry, we took them down for you. So that's the story of the first murder in Savannah. However, to be a story, it leaves us with more questions than answers. Like, how long did it take for Richard and Alice to be captured? Nothing in the reports indicate how long they were on the lam for. They just say when they were captured and when their murder was. I highly doubt they made it still in Savannah on the lam from March 1st to May 11th. The town wasn't that big back then. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking how far they could have gotten, but in two months they could have gotten somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, another question, though, is why did it take so long for Alice and Richard to stand trial? The murder, like I said, was March 1st. They didn't go on trial until May 11th. Normally, back in those days, you were tried pretty quickly for a crime. I mean, think about it. They had, like you said, they had nothing else to do. Yeah. I mean, the first crime, so they didn't have a whole lot else to do. I mean, unless it took them that long to figure out how to work at all. Maybe they had to work out kinks in the judicial system. Well, How do should. we handle this? What do we do? Back in those days, it would be, what do we do with a woman? I mean, do we try her or as a woman? You don't, you, you just didn't, women didn't do these things. So you didn't, um, you wouldn't so readily hang a woman or so readily try a woman because women just don't do their things. They're ladies, you know. So I could see them having maybe, maybe they had to adjust something in the laws or in, I don't know, to, to, to adjust for it. And then her being pregnant and help none. No. And I mean, it like, like I said, back then, the cells weren't built to mm. hold people for that yeah. long. So. Yeah, there's no, no, I mean. I mean, obviously, because Richard White escaped. Well, not only there's no comfort. Like you said, there was. You're in jail. You shouldn't be in comfort. And I agree with that. But there was, there were dirt floors. There were, they didn't provide for you being freezing cold. I mean, hot, suck it up, buttercup, you're in jail. But freezing cold, um, you know, just different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that, I guess, had to be panned out. I don't know. Okay. So that can be, that can be chalked up to first timers figuring stuff out. Yeah. But what about the baby? She did, in fact, have a baby. She wasn't lying. She gave birth. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant. I mean, they could prove that. But who was the father? That's true. If the child was conceived while she was in prison, I guess when they went to trial, she told them she was pregnant. So she could have been in prison in between the time that they were caught and on trial. So did she get pregnant in prison? I mean, if she did, then it couldn't have been Richard's child. Because they were in different cells. They were in different housings. Yeah. But that's just, that's where I really can't figure this thing out. Yeah, the timeline doesn't go. Unless the dates we have are wrong. But the thing is, the thought of her, like, carrying the child longer than normal Mm -hmm. has really been thrown out because given 
the poor nutrition conditions in the early colonies, the child can't, like, it couldn't have been conceived before Wise was murdered. It just couldn't have been conceived before March 1st. Okay. But given the the harsh conditions, wouldn't it have made her go into premature labor instead of... Possibly. Instead of overcarrying? Possibly. I don't, like, like I said, unless the dates we have are wrong, Richard could not have been the father. So who was? Was it a, some, some jailer? Some other man? Was it the first case of rape for the colony as well? Mm-hmm. I mean... That's a very real possibility. Some people actually speculate that William Wise was the father, but given his yeah. sickly condition, it's kind of unlikely. But you know what? After rereading this story several times before recording it, I'm honestly wondering, well, they got, no, it couldn't be. I was thinking about the first master because he was so quickly to like let her hang mm-hmm. and he was just thrown out of her house for no reason. Right. That doesn't make sense. But that was before before she went with Wise. That was before Wise, before and that was before the cattle farm. That mean it was too far before. Yeah. It was a good theory though, until I figured that part out. Well, that'd be an easy way for him to cover it up. Yeah. So then during her pregnancy though, someone had to truly come help tend to her, even though she was in jail. Think about it. I mean, I don't know who it would be because they have no record of that either, conveniently. But finally, probably the most important question in the whole story is why did they murder William Wise? Like, why? Was he just that abusive? Or was he too hard to handle? Was he so rich they thought they could steal from him and go make themselves alive? No. But they stole some of his belongings. Yeah, they were said to. But think about it. They're both indentured servants. They were assured their freedom in, like, what, four years? Yeah. Surely it would have occurred to them that dude was sick. He probably was going to die before then. Like, why not just let him die? Mm -hmm. Why speed up the process? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, was the plan only for them just to, like, rob and kill him? Since the penalty for both was death by hanging? These are things that we're just still left to wonder, but if you're curious, maybe you could even ask Alice yourself. You ready for a ghost story? So Alice and Richard have been seen in two locations, Hutchison Island and Wright Square. The Hutchison Island story is brief, but it's reported that one person claimed to see a man and a woman huddled together walking in a rainstorm on the road on a small island, and he reported that they were just in 18th century clothes, and he thought that they were extras in a period film being shot in Savannah at the time. But when he went to look back at him in his rearview mirror again, the pair had just vanished. Right Square is the second place that the ghost of Alice has been seen, and this story actually came from former Savannah Ghost Tour trolley driver named Ted Lewis. Before he died, he often claimed to have encountered Alice Riley wandering in the Wright Square. When he was a child, Lewis lived in Atlanta, but he would spend summers with his aunt in Savannah, where he worked on his uncle's boat. 
His story begins like this. He said, one night he and his young cousins, after a hard day of work, headed home by taking a shortcut through Wright Square. And they saw a white woman wearing a long dress standing in the square. And Lewis said years later that she was very basic, plain, almost ugly. She wore like a cap on her head and her hair was very limp, stringy, and kind of greasy looking. And it wasn't until later when he and his cousins got to thinking about the woman that they realized they hadn't seen her feet. They just weren't there. He said the lady kept repeatedly saying to them, where's my baby? Where's my baby? And she was holding out her arms and the boys told her they didn't know where her baby was and they ran just ran as fast as they could home. Yeah, I would for a long time, though, the three boys kept the whole incident a secret, but it worried them. Like, here they are, three young black boys in Savannah, and they were truly afraid that someone would have seen the incident and thought that they had taken this white woman's baby. They were petrified. But one day, Ted told his family and his aunt what happened, and to his amazement, his aunt just started laughing. And she smiled and told him, don't worry, honey. That woman's been looking for that baby for more than 200 years now. Now explain why she was so ugly and scrappy. <laughs> Life will do that to you. So will death, apparently. But I believe if I told you that, and or if I told my aunt that, and she'd have looked at me and went, oh, she's been looking for that baby for 200 years now, I think I would have died. <laughs> I would have had a heart attack. After I had my aunt's sanity check. So, in other words, aunt has had other people or herself said they saw the woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Or somehow the aunt knew that people people had seen seen her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, she just kind of told him, you know, (laughs) she's been looking for the baby for 200 years or more. Like, it's not just you. Okay. And these boys aren't the only one to experience this. Alice Riley has actually been seen walking through Wright Square... This is heartbreaking. Crying out for her son. Mm. And some people even claiming that a woman in old-fashioned garb had asked them to help her find her missing child and then vanish before their eyes. People often give police calls like unaware tourists. Mm. They will often call police about a woman in a square sobbing and calling out for her lost baby. And a widely held belief is that if you bring an infant into Wright Square, Riley will try to take the baby from you, thinking it to be the child that was once ripped away from her. That's a little creepy as a mother. Yeah, ain't it though? Yeah, I bet. You know, you don't really believe that stuff. But, but I don't think I want to take a risk. Yeah. 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 I might go in there with your child, but I ain't going in with mine. <laughs> Let me hold your baby and go to Wright Square. Uh, yeah. yeah no, uh-uh, no way. Just kidding, folks. We would never do that. <laughs> no. That's, I wouldn't take the chance. Like Mm-mm. the folks that say... I told um, you, the scared skeptic. That's me. Like the saying, um, I'd rather live believing there's a God than die and find out there was... Ain't. I'd rather, goes. I'd rather live believing... Acting like there's a God, then. And there not be a God, then die and find out there is a God and I didn't believe. It's something, something like, like that. that. 
See, it's kind of the kind of same thing with that story. Huh? Yeah. I just I take your word for it, and I keep me and my baby and all the other babies I know away from the square. You realize when we were taking pictures the other day, we walked through right square. No, I was so lost and hot that day. I don't know what was going on <laughs> with the two-year-old. Yeah. yeah, if if I was, but luckily he's not an infant, so it doesn't work. If if I was going to die, and, and oh my be, God, his name his middle name is James. Yep, and well, be hanged and all that. I would really not want it to be in Southeast Georgia. No, not if I had to get like haunt and I had to keep coming back. It's just too hot for that crap. And that's that's the question. Like, do their spirits remain where they met their tragic end? Like, the hunt for their ghost still continues today. So, in order to bring a little bit more closure to this story and answer a question or two that we seem to still have left, I decided to try and dig a little bit deeper and find out what happened to Alice's baby. And I actually ended up finding a Savannah Now article and I'm going to read you a piece of the article now where they reference the baby. And this is talking about a note that a man named Jenkins wrote and an article that a lady named Bragg wrote. So this is what the paragraph from the Savannah Now article says. He ends with this sad note. The child is since dead. Riley's baby James died two weeks after his mother was hanged. Based on the date of Jenkins' letter, it appears Alice Riley was hanged on January 19, 1735. In her article, Bragg says both Alice Riley and her baby were buried in a plot of land just off of Wright Square at what is now 9 West York Street. On a personal note, I just want to let you guys know that this story was very hard to write, not just because I sympathize with Alice and I felt the pain of a mother losing her child, but because of the fact that it was so long ago and no matter where you read, where you look, how many articles you dig up, somebody's going to have a different account. Somebody's going to have them being hanged in 34 instead of 35 and vice versa so i did the best with what i could find and tried to piece together a story that took place what easily 300 years ago and made it a complete story for you guys so if things are a little fuzzy you do have to keep in mind especially in this particular story that Anywhere you read, anything you Google, it can change in an instant, depending on who's telling it and what version they have heard. This is my version. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Hauntedology. It means the world to me. I write these shows and edit them myself, so I really appreciate all of your support and I cannot wait until next week's episode. Thank you guys so much for being the best. Do you think your city is haunted? If you think your city is haunted enough, 
get its own season of hauntedology, hit me up on Instagram at Megs underscore Noel. That's M-E-G-G-S underscore N-O-E-L or at hauntedology. You can hit me up on Twitter at Megan Noel underscore fit. That's M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L underscore F-I-T or at Hauntedology. You can also go to anchor.fm backslash Hauntedology and leave a voice message for me and I can listen to your city story that way. Or you can email me at Megan Noel podcast at gmail.com.